So, I, I wasn't being rude and texting whilst people were talking. I was trying to remember. So, we've got uh, those of us here who need provision. Um, those of us here who feel like they need friends that they can really be friends with and be fully known with. Those, again, um, finance, provision in finance. Um, two, on career change type things. So, you feel like God might be prompting you to go into a new career to trust him in that. Some who are staying, but you feel anxious about it and that God's going to give you peace and anxiety and then finance again. So if that relates to anyone here, can I just ask you to be really bold? You don't have to, but do you want to stand? And we're just going to pray for those things off the back of those testimonies. So if any of those testimonies you need in your life, so you're like, I've heard that, it's great for them, but I haven't got that. Um, stand now and we're going to pray them in. Well done. Anyone else? Okay, well, Lord, thank you for those beautiful stories we've just heard of you coming through. Thank you for the miracles that you work in our life. And thank you for the times in our church where we've seen you do something for somebody, a member of our family, that then enables us and gives space to see you do it for others in our church family. And so we stand on those stories now of faith and of your provision and we ask for every single person standing up right now that the same would be true for them Lord Jesus that you would provide for them in many ways financially with friends in terms of career changes in terms of peace in the midst of anxiety Lord Jesus that you would come through for them And God, we thank you for all the ways that you act as a firm foundation for us. That you are the rock under our feet. And we bless you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing, guys. Thanks for sharing everybody else. Lovely. Jason and Tash. Can I get you guys up here? Where are you? There you are. Brilliant. Let's give these guys a round of applause as they come up. So these guys have been a part of our church for a while, and they are starting something new, and we just wanted to highlight it so that we can pray and also join in with them, because it's beautiful when someone in the church starts something fresh that's along the same lines of the vision of what, what we're trying to bring here, which is bringing heaven to earth. We just think it's really important for us as a church family to get behind and to support. So can you just tell us what it is um, where it is, and then we'll go from there. Um, so we are launching a play space and a family supper club in Downham. And um, it's for families with children under eight, really. A lot of people have been through difficult times in the pandemic, especially raising young children. And, um, yeah, lots of kids have missed out um, on just normal things. And um, play, I think, is just a big part of what childhood should be so um it's a play space it's um a place where people can come and eat together as well and it's all going to be completely free thank you what, what's the vision behind it um, well i think uh, probably uh, over seven years ago we really heard god speak to us and there's a passage of scripture i just want to read luke 4 and um, well known but i think this is back in 2014 or so we really heard god speak to us through this text and it was luke 4 18 the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty all those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There were a number of scriptures and we really felt God saying, look, you see the kind of, the, the fallenness around you in our local community, we're part of Lewisham. You see the areas and the forms of deprivation. You see the various forms of injustice and God was really kind of impressing upon our hearts to say, stand in the gap. Let's do something different. Let's bring people together. Let's bring communities together. And let's create safe spaces where young people from diverse backgrounds can feel known, can feel loved, can feel accepted, can feel affirmed, and can feel included. And we're looking at kind of fig figuring that out via food, via arts and crafts, via music. Um, and we really want to create a safe space for people to come and to ultimately know the love of God as the expression of the kingdom through what we're trying to achieve. So a lot of prayer and thought has gone into how we can create this space where God will show up. We don't know what he's going to do, but we know transformation is going to take place. Beautiful, thank you. And Tash, how can we help as church family? How can we get involved? Um, the 
most important thing is prayer. <laughs> um, just to know that we have people praying with us. We're doing a lot of the practical things. We were even just saying today just to know that there are people that um, God is going to just put this on their heart to pray for. Um, that would be absolutely amazing. Pray for the families. Pray for us. Pray for the team. Um, like Jason said, we don't know what people are going to bring up when you start listening. Lots of things will come out. And, um, yeah, we just pray that God would help us because he, he is going to do a work of healing. And, um, yeah, we just need to be equipped. So thank you for the prayers. Um, secondly, we are crowdfunding so that this can run for free. We don't want there to be any barriers to experiencing a free space, um, a play space or food, especially in these times. So we want to provide it for free. And um, so if you, that's a QR code thingy. Everyone knows what it is. Um, but, yeah, if you want to donate or share it with someone, um, we want to raise enough so that we can run it for free um, until next July, once a week. And share Instagram, Twitter. <laughs> Play at Philo on Instagram and Twitter. Brilliant, thank you. You guys, are, you're starting it this week, and it's already fully booked. What, for the next couple of weeks or something? So, yeah. Amazing, yes, yeah, so there's clearly a need that you're meeting. And we're excited about this because we don't want to just do church plants and grass. Um, we want to see stuff like this happen as well because the kingdom doesn't just come through Anglican buildings or church plants and that kind of stuff. It happens in the places where we live. We're responding to what we feel like the Spirit's doing there. And this is what these guys are doing. They see a need. They see the kingdom coming. They're following the Holy Spirit. And as they step out in faith, we want to be with them as church family saying, that's brilliant. We're not going to do it in Downham because, well, I'm not. I don't live there. I live here. But these guys live there and they're responding to what the Spirit's doing there, which is beautiful. So, because um, some of us just gather around and we're going to pray for them. So if you just come lay hand. Um, just a few of us, if you don't mind, thank you. And Lord, we thank you so much for Jason and Tash. Thank you for this vision that they've, you've put on their heart to see your kingdom come in Downham in this way. And for all the families who are going to be impacted because of what they're about to do in stepping out. And Lord, we pray that you would fill them afresh now with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that they would know that as they step out in faith, that you don't leave them on, on their own, but you are with them, that you go with them, that they are filled with your power, with your presence, with your peace. Lord, as they open up the doors this week, and as people from the area flood in, that they're going to experience your presence as soon as they walk through those doors. Because Jason and Tasha are there, and they've got their eyes fixed on you. And Lord, they're bringing your kingdom, your presence. And Lord, we pray most of all for transformed lives through this. We pray for hearts to be transformed. We pray for people to come to know you. We pray for people to be fully known and loved for the first time. We pray that you would lift people out of captivity and imprisonment and give them freedom through all that you're going to do in and through Philo. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Let's give them a round of applause. Just one more thing to say um, before Arnie speaks to tonight. On Saturday next week, we are having a full day together as a church, all about the Holy Spirit. So we've got a very dear friend coming to speak called John Peters. He leads a church in Marylebone called St. Mary's, which is the church that Hanel and I came from and trained at. And he's coming to speak about the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, and how can we open ourselves to more of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be an absolutely brilliant day. It's part of the Foundations course. So if you're already on Foundations, this is going to be the best bit. So if you can come to this bit, please come to this bit. We'll have childcare, and the kids are going to be doing the same topic. So they'll have lots of fun too. We'll provide breakfast at 10, and we'll kick off at 10.30. But even if you're not coming to Foundations yet, we still love you to come. It's open invite to the whole church. So do come along on Saturday, 10 o'clock, and we'll spend the whole day together. And then in the evening, we're going to have a big old bonfire and some fireworks over in the Vicarage Garden. So we'd love to all celebrate together in that way as well. Arnie, do we have a reading? Is it, are you doing it? Is anyone else doing it? Not sure. Does anyone think they're doing a reading? Nope. It's you, mate. <laughs> Thanks. This is Arnie. He's going to speak. Let's give him a round of applause. Hi, guys. Um, yep, I'm Arnie, and I'm doing the reading, it seems. So uh, <laughs> we're on um, Ephesians 2, and a little kind of uh, intro. The 
title of this sermon series is Wake Up, I believe. Um, and I've got a strap line for you, Ben. You can have this for free. Stop pressing snooze on the spirit. Bit of illustration there. Um, now, um, yeah, so we're doing this, looking at this theme through the book of Ephesians. So we should be able to get Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10, up on the screen, if you can follow. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Um, now, anyone who's kind of heard me speak before, or if you know me, if you don't know me, uh, my nine to five, my profession is as a barrister. And if you're wondering what on earth a barrister is doing, standing up speaking on the book of Ephesians, um, it's because one of the things I fundamentally believe is that God will cultivate you in your professional life and give you a set of skills that you should, if you find the opportunity, deploy in building up his kingdom. So I kind of fundamentally believe I shouldn't just use my skill set in order to, you know, earn money for clients, nine to five. I should also deploy it in this context. So if you can please indulge me um, in that. Um, so, yeah, in my nine to five as a barrister, um, a couple of weeks ago, I had the, you know, one of the biggest cases of my life. Um, it's quite interesting. It's actually on a live stream. So if you're suffering from insomnia at one point and want to tune into Court 63 YouTube channel in a court of appeal, you'll see me talking about insolvency law, which is as boring as it sounds. Um, but it's interesting because I was, I was thinking about the prayers I was praying around the time when I was preparing for that. And in preparing for today, I actually realized that I had fallen into a trap of not properly understanding grace. In that I thought I understood it, but actually in my application of it, realized that I was fundamentally misapplying it. And it's because of this. So, you know, this is the biggest hearing of my life so far. And my constant prayer was that God would, you know, work through me. But also, it was a big deal. I just wanted God to help me through it. Now, bear with me. Simultaneously, I'm also a member of a WhatsApp group. It's called Meet, M-E-A-T. Um, as you can tell, it's kind of a bunch of guys that meet together, M-E-E-T, to eat meat. You know, amazing play on words, Shakespearean use of language there. Um, a group of guys, alpha masculinity is absolutely rife. And we're the type of friends that like to poke fun at each other. So as a self-proclaimed king of one-liners, um, with a wife who constantly says I should receive an MBE for services to comedy. She never said that, but I know she thinks it. Um, I saw an opportunity for an absolutely incredible put-down. I thought, this is going to be hilarious. Now, this is the type of put-down that makes you laugh and wince at the same time. And if I'm honest, it was probably a little bit harsh, just a little bit past the line of what is acceptable. So I didn't do it. And retrospectively, I was kind of analyzing why. Why didn't I do that? And I'm not actually the type of person that habitually analyzes why I didn't crack a joke on a particular occasion, because that would be a little bit weird. <laughs> but on this occasion, the reason why I didn't say anything is because this was my line of thinking. I thought, that's a bit harsh. God will probably raise his eyebrows at me if I did say that. And I don't want to lower myself in his estimation at the same time that I'm praying, asking for his intervention, i.e., I'm in court on Tuesday and this is a big deal. Let me just, you know, keep my A-game of spirituality top. So that was my thinking, you know, perfectly innocent line of thinking. But the fallacy of that is because what I was actually saying to myself is that Jesus isn't going to affect my situation or work through me. 
until I've actually made myself worthy of his intervention. And again, the fallacy of that is that was saying that how good I am is then determinative of how good God is. And that, of course, isn't the gospel. So that was my kind of fundamental misapplication of what the gospel is. So if that's not what the gospel is, then the question is, what is the gospel? Well, the answer is in Ephesians. Surprise, surprise. Um, If we can get verse 1 up again, please. Um, It starts by saying, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, Paul intentionally uses the word dead here. Why does he use the word dead? Because if you're dead, then you can do nothing to affect your own situation. A dead person can't do anything to change their scenario. Now, my wife Ellie, she's a doctor. My mother is a doctor. Query why I surround myself with so many medical professionals at all times. But both of them tell me that in a cardiac arrest, that is when your heart stops, you stop breathing, you lose consciousness, you are technically dead. Now, in that situation, in that emergency scenario, it takes the outside intervention of the medical professionals in order to bring someone back to life, in order to resuscitate them. So when Paul uses the word dead, it's that analogy that you should have in mind. You can't do anything to affect the situation when you're dead in that resuscitating scenario. So anyone thinking that by your own good works you can dig yourself out of condemnation is like handing of a series of instructions to a dead person that sets out how they can resuscitate themselves. I mean, it sounds absolutely absurd when you say it like that, but as the kind of equivalence of us trying by our own good works to get ourselves out of the situation that, um, that we find ourselves in. Now, um, next question is, what is the outside intervention necessary for us to be resuscitated? Um, and if we can please get up verses 4 and 5 um, from Ephesians 1, sorry, Ephesians 2. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So that's saying that God, without reference to us, performed the spiritual resuscitation necessary to bring us back to life. Now, when he says we, um, you have been saved, he's using the past participle there. He's saying you have been saved. Past participle is just a fancy way of saying, refers to an action that both started, that was started and completed in the past. So we have been saved. It's done. Now, there's only one category of being saved. Once you're saved, you're saved. So it's not as if, okay, you know, I'm saved. Like Joel, Joel's like really saved. Ben, he's on a different level of being saved. Like, it doesn't work like that. Once you're saved, you're saved, and it's all one level. So, you can't, by your own works, get yourself into a different level of being saved. Paul is trying to tell us that in different ways. And going back to kind of the dead person analogy, us being saved, it's a kind of equivalence of once someone has been resuscitated, bursting into the operating theater with some defibrillators and saying, I've got the solution. Give this to the person and let them resuscitate themselves. He says, well, sorry, it's already been done. So, you know, what is it that you're trying to do? Again, exactly the same um, applies to us with our own good works. Um, And then in verses um, 8 and 9, if we could please get that up. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Now, the word for grace in Greek is chariti, C-H-A-R-I-T-I. It's where we derive the word charity from. And again, it's Paul using another literary device to show you that grace is something that refers to us being given that we did not work for. And I think the charity example is actually quite good because imagine if you walked into a charity shop with a bag full of clothes and said, I'm going to give this to you. But by the way, can you just make sure that the recipients of these clothes put about four or five hours of work in before you give it to them? Again, absolute absurdity. And that is why Paul uses the word grace here because it's a gift of God. Um, 
So that isn't saying that you shouldn't do good works because in verse 10, if we can please get that up, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared us in advance to do. So we are created to do good works. And when we hear Ben talking about bringing heaven to Southeast London, it's those types of good works that we're created to do. So we're talking about moves of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about setting up the play center that provides free care for the people in need. We are created to do those good works, but we shouldn't think that being an all-round good egg is a prerequisite to God giving you the things that he promises you or using you to do his good works. So really, looking at those verses 1 to 10, it's just to kind of re-emphasize the point that we need to kind of separate our own attempts to do good works away from what God has already done for us, i.e. it is done. So in my kind of humble view, that is what the gospel is about. But, I mean, I've kind of sat there and listened to messages of the gospel before and thought, well, that's all good and well, but what on earth does that have to do with my actual day today? It can all sound a little bit kind of hypothetical. Yeah, okay, you know, Jesus died, I'm saved, there's grace. But actually, we're living in a time where there's rife inflation, interest rates are going up, my energy bills are increasing, COVID's got a resurgence, the government's in chaos. When I wake up on Monday, that's what I'm going to be hit with. What is it that you said to me about grace that actually has any impact on that? Because, of course, you know, Christianity should be viewed in the prism of real life, not just something that you do on a Sunday that then doesn't impact you Monday going forward. So, again, if you bear with me, I'll try and link the two. So the kind of definition of grace being the word, you know, chariti, being given something, you've got to ask yourself, well, what is it that you've been given for which no further works are required. Yes, we've been redeemed. Yes, we've been saved. But is it only redemption that God has given us? Because if that's it, then what's the point in anything? If the only thing that we have been given by virtue of Christ dying for us is some assurance that, well, although we sinned, they're not going to be held against us anymore, and sometime we'll get to heaven, that to me isn't particularly hopeful for one's day-to-day. And if that is exactly what you believe, then what I challenge you to do is actually look at what the Bible says about what it is that God has done for us when it is that Christ paid his um, greatest sacrifice. And again, the answer we can look to in Ephesians, um, because in Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul is saying here that we have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's one of the things that, you know, if you read a lot of Paul's writing, you can just read and think, yeah, blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, you know, it sounds good, you know, what, what does that actually mean? Well, it's saying that at the point that we're saved and made aligned in Christ, God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Great. What is a spiritual blessing? And if we can get verses um, 18 to 20 up of uh, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Um, Now, this is in the New International Version. Um, I'm going to read it in this and then read it in the Amplified, because in the Amplified it, you know, has in brackets some of the original text in the Greek meaning, which um, helps with the understanding. Um, But it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now in the Amplified, what that says is, and I pray that the eyes of your heart the very center and core of your being may be enlightened so that you'll begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. 
that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. So what Paul is saying is, and if we kind of link that all the way through, okay, grace, we've been given something that's been bestowed on us that we didn't have to work for. What is that thing? Yes, it's salvation, but it's also every spiritual blessing in Christ. Those spiritual blessings include his active spiritual power that's in us who believe. And it says that that power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And if you let that sink in for a second, what Paul is saying is, at the moment that you were saved, you were bestowed with the same power that was used to raise Christ from the dead. So he's saying this isn't some kind of diluted version of the spiritual power that we see in play. This isn't that you kind of walk around thinking, you know, well, you know, Christ had his power. You know, Ben has his power. Joel has his power. I have my power. Like, that, that isn't what he's saying. He's saying the Holy Spirit coming into you puts everyone on the same playing field. And he's using the most extreme example, i.e. the power that raised Christ from the dead, to just say, you know, he's pleading with you. He's saying... I, I, I pray that your eyes of your heart will be open so that you will begin to know the immeasurable and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power. He's saying, I just really want to get it across to you that that is what you were blessed with when Christ died for you. That is what you were blessed with. So, as people who are saved and as unmerited recipients of this amazing power, what I say is that we should have the expectation of active spiritual intervention in our day-to-day -day life. When we've been standing up and hearing the amazing miracles and testimonies, that is just to show that those things should be normal in the church. Those things should be happening in our day-to-day. -day. When we confront a situation that's problematic, the way that we should look at it isn't just through the prism of our normal human eyes, thinking how on earth I'm going to deal with it. It's through the prism of knowing that the active spiritual power that raised Christ from the dead is in us as a body of the church. And working that out, what that means is it can manifest itself firstly in a, you know, extreme outward public miracle. You know, just miraculous provision coming out of nowhere. But also it can be as intimate as supernatural peace in the face of adversity. You know, both of those things we see because we see Jesus displaying that. And there's actually equivalence between how Jesus was able to live and how we're able to live by virtue of receiving the same things that he had. Um, and I think a great example of that is in Matthew 8. Um, if we can get verses 24 and 25 up, please. Um, Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, I absolutely love this, because, you know, the guy was literally asleep. There was a storm that was threatening to kill everybody on the boat, and where was Jesus? He was having a nap. Now, I don't know about you, but I would love to be able to sleep during a furious storm, what's happening there during this storm? Because Jesus was a man, just like us. And he was subject to the same fears, the same perception of danger as we all were. We know that he had human emotions because in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see him pleading with God saying, please let this cup pass from me. He was able to feel fear in the same way that we are. Yet, during this storm, whilst his natural faculties could have the same perception of the fear that was before him, his supernatural faculties enabled him to sleep during the storm. And what that is saying is when he was confronted with this situation where there was a storm, there was his natural reaction and his supernatural reaction. And what Jesus was able to do is the supernatural in him was able to usurp the natural so that he could sleep during the storm. So what I'm saying is as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the people that have received the same active spiritual power that was at work in Christ, when we're confronted with the things and the storms of life, such as all those things that I mentioned earlier, the Holy Spirit that's available to us, if we access it, if we yearn for it, if we pray about it, and if we believe it and have the expectation, 
should give us the peace that allows us to sleep during the storm. And I think that's an amazing manifestation because that is, you know, when I talk about the day-to-day, -day, the type of things that you rely on as a Christian, as a recipient of the Holy Spirit, that actually helps you. So that was one of the manifestations. But further, in um, verse 25, in fact, before, before we look at that, you know, everyone knows the, I think it's Psalm 23, um, when David says, yeah, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I should fear no evil. For, you know, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, that isn't something that was, you know, some hypothetical poem that was written because it sounds nice. David was a person who was literally hiding in caves in valleys because he was being pursued by Saul, one of the Israelites' kings, who was actually trying to kill him. So imagine if a nation's deployed their whole armory, their special forces, the sole job is to try and terminate you. You're on the run, you've left everything that you know, hiding from day to day in the rocks, and you can see the enemy around. Now, for David to be able to write within that context that I shall be in the valley of the shadow of death, but fear no evil. Again, we get the interplay between his natural faculties. He should be fearing. He should be absolutely bricking himself. But his supernatural faculties, which is the spirit of God that he was walking with, enabling him to say, you know what? I don't actually fear, fear this. And that's not the kind of self-declaration of, you know, I'm actually really scared. But I'm going to say I, I'm not scared because if I say I'm not scared, then maybe I won't be scared. This is them actually saying, I shall fear no evil because God is with me. So what I really want to encourage us to do is have an expectation that the spirit can outwork itself in you in that way. So anyway, that was a little diversion. But it's always a nice stop off in Psalms. Um, Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 8, it says, The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Um, verse 26, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. So then that's the other side. That's the kind of active, miraculous sign that we can expect as well. Um, and when I say we can expect it, I mean we can pray with the expectation that those things can and will happen. Um, because, of course, we see that in the example of Jesus. And, you know, going back to what we're saying about the beginning, about, you know, all of the financial pressures that are over people at this current time. It's amazing to stand up and hear those, sorry, to, to, to have heard the testimonies of the people who have stood up and said they played for provision. They came to church, heard Ben saying there's provision here available in the house of God, and that directly helped their situation. Now, I'm saying those are the type of supernatural events, the type of miraculous things that we want to see on a day-to-day -day basis in the church. So again, I really want to encourage us to have that expectation. So let me go back to the you know, name of this sermon series, which is, you know, wake up. It's, you know, wake up to what it is that we have available to us as the church. Because if you're not kind of cognizant of exactly what happened when grace enabled Christ to die for us and us to receive the active, you know, spiritual blessings, it's essentially like going out into battle with a load of armor and weapons on your back, not knowing that you have them and not knowing to use them and not having the expectation that if you do use them, they're going to have an effect. And that isn't the mentality that you should go in. The mentality that you should go in is with full knowledge of what it is that we're equipped with and how to deploy it. So that is why we really need to kind of understand this. And I suppose to kind of give you a, uh, you know, a real life um, example of, you know, the reality of life, what happens, how you know, we pray as a family and the effect that that had. Um, some of you may know that recently my father-in-law um, was suddenly rushed into ICU. His um, kidney had essentially ruptured out of nowhere, and he had kind of massive um, internal bleeding. Now, you know, I understand from my mom, who's an A&E trauma consultant, that once you lose 75% of your blood volume, then you're in a very, very serious situation. We now know in retrospect that 
during the course of the night, um, essentially, my father-in-law had lost 100% of his blood volume. So they were trying to pump it into him at the same rate that he was leaving it. So when you hear words like the valley of the shadow of death, that was the real situation that was there. Um, so the question is, okay, we've heard this kind of message of grace. Um, what, you know, what does the prayer look like in that situation? What is the expectation? Um, so the dual prayer that we had was firstly um, for a miracle. This is, you know, despite knowing that he was in the hands of skilled surgeons, we also knew that those surgeons didn't ascribe a very high chance to his survival in that they basically said to us after the fact that we didn't really think he was going to pull through. But our prayer was that God would intervene to massively upset the odds and we were praying with an expectation that that would happen. So of course we were praying for a miracle and that was the first thing. The other thing, when we talk about the intimate spiritual peace in the face of adversity that we're praying for, was that God and his spirit would rest with the family in that place of real, real peril. You know, particularly Ellie, um, my wife, who was, who's also a doctor, was acting as an intermediary between the family and the doctors. She could understand what was going on. She could read the metrics and see when things were really going south. Bearing in mind she was also 26 weeks pregnant at that time and operating on zero sleep. Having to observe that, knowing the implications of what was happening, was just a really, really awful situation to be in. So the prayer was for supernatural peace in the face of that adversity. And honestly, what I was able to observe, and you know, Ellie's here and she'll tell you herself, there was a sense of peace, there was a sense of calmness, there was a sense of composure that bore absolutely no relation to the storm that was ensuing around the family. And that is when the Holy Spirit rests on a situation, it's a kind of, using the word supernatural because it's not referable to any kind of normal laws of how things work. So that was the atmosphere that was there in that room. And then we talk about the miraculous. Thank God that after two kind of life-saving operations, he was able to pull through, and he's now back at home, you know, giving me grief about football and whatnot. So at the same speed that he descended into it is the same speed that he's ascended out of it. So it all seems like a, you know, very bizarre, weird dream, but that is what happened. So what I want to do is, again, just really encourage us to, when we're attacking things big or small, understand what it is that you're attacking it with. You're not kind of going with your own might, you're going with God's might, and that is the might that's available to you by virtue of Christ sacrificing himself. So when you pray the prayers, pray with the expectation that God will move in that way. Um, now, that's kind of all I have to say on the, on the main um, message. Um, but if um, you will feel comfortable, please can I ask you to stand and we'll go into um, a time of prayer. Um, if you can please close your eyes and perhaps have your hands open if you feel comfortable. Um, we'll come up for, um, you know, anyone that wants to be prayed for um, can of course come up, but there's two kind of groups in particular that I would like to pray for. Um, firstly, if you, like me, sometimes feel not worthy for God to work in you or through you, or feel like you need to be a little bit better before God can answer your prayer, I can see that that can sometimes be really crippling, crippling and inhibitive to God actually moving. So I want to pray for Grap Group. And secondly, anyone who wants the Holy Spirit to make them really appreciate the power that they have and how that can work out in their day-to-day -day situations um, to also pray for that group. Um, and on top of that, anyone just needing a move of the spirit in their scenarios um, also. So yeah, um, Father, we just come in the um, expectation that you can move. Thank you for bestowing upon us your Holy Spirit and making available to us the same power that you used when you raised Christ from the dead. Father, we pray that you just make it clear to all of us to those who don't feel worthy enough for you to work, to those who feel like we need to be better before you can work, 
and for those who want you to work but don't know how to deploy your Holy Spirit or to pray with the expectation of moving. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit may just teach us, may just teach us the truths of the gospel um, so that we can really see the Holy Spirit move, move through us and to impact our day-to-day lives. Yeah, um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Arnie, thank you. Let's just stay waiting on the Spirit. So we just shut our eyes so we're not distracted. And we put our hands out. It's just a physical way of saying, God, I receive whatever you have for me tonight. Because it's a gift, right? As Arnie's been saying, it isn't something we have to work for. It's something that we receive. So let's just wait for a moment. Just in your heart and your mind, just ask for the Holy Spirit to come and meet you where you are. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for that beautiful truth that we've just heard. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask, come and make it real. Come and make it real in our hearts. Some of you will already start to feel the peace that Arnie was talking about. Some of you might be starting to feel the power that he was talking about. Others of us might feel the opposite to those things. It's almost like we've opened ourselves up and the anxiety is rising, the exhaustion or the fear, and that's okay. Because sometimes we have to empty ourselves first so that his spirit can come and fill the void. So if, if that is you, there's not something wrong with you. It's perfectly normal. But just go along with what the spirit's doing. Just start to empty yourself. And you can do that simply in your heart, mind, just naming it. Saying, God, I feel anxiety rise. I give it to you, Jesus. I feel fear rise. I give it to you, Jesus. exhaustion rising, I give it to you, Jesus. Just keep doing that for a bit. And those that feel peace, or those that feel the power of God starting to fill them. One of the most remarkable things Jesus said is how much more will God give the Holy Spirit peace and the power of God to those who are asked. So we're just going to ask for more. More now, Lord. More of your peace. More of your power. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. I feel the Spirit highlighting a couple of people, maybe more, who are struggling with insomnia, struggling to sleep at night. And if that's you, I'd love you to come forward in a moment. We're going to pray for healing for that.
going incredibly well. It's not normal to have space like this, is it? We're just going to keep waiting for a bit. for what you're doing. Okay, so keep waiting on the spirit. We're going to pray for those groups now that Armin outlined. So those of us here who feel like the gospel has never quite clicked, the grace part of it, we feel like we need to perform so that God performs for us. And if that's you in a moment, just come forward. And we're going to ask for his, the gift of his grace to flood your body, your heart and mind. Others of us who just need more of the power of the spirit in our life. In a moment, just come forward and we're just going to pray for more, more of your power, Lord. And then others who need the peace particularly those of us here who feel like they're going through a storm at the moment. It just feels like the whole of your life Monday onwards is just a storm. We're going to ask for the spirit of peace to come and flood your body. Just, if you just start coming forward now, just push your way out of the row. I know it's a bit awkward to push your way out, but... We do it at the front just so we've got space to walk around. And we're just going to bless what the Spirit's doing and ask for more because that's what Jesus tells us to do when he tells us how to pray. And those who are going to pray, just don't feel the need to rush in with prayer. Just lay a hand on the shoulder. That's just telling the person you're here with them. And just bless what the Spirit's doing. Just say, thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Ask for more. More of you. And then as you're waiting, just keep praying in your heart and your mind. And if you feel like God gives you a prophetic word or a picture or a Bible verse for them, share that. But there's no pressure for that whatsoever. Just you being there laying a hand. The power that is in you is at work in them. And as we lay hands, people are filled with more of the presence of God. So those of you that have come up, just open your hands out. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you're already doing in all of these people. And Lord, we ask for more. We boldly ask for more. We've just read that there is an incomparably great power available to us for those who believe. And we say tonight, we believe, Lord, we believe. So come, Holy Spirit, more of you, more of your power. Open the eyes of our hearts now. Brilliant. Eleanor, do you mind coming up? I don't know if you're here. Thank you. So these guys are just going to keep getting prayer. You guys who haven't come out, you can come up and get prayer at any point. There's no need to rush away. We're going to need some more people to pray if that's okay. So if you're used to praying for people in this way, you've heard me speak about it. We've done some training here in the evening. I'd love you to come up and pray because we've got quite a few people who need prayer. And um, as you pray, just feel, just pray for some people for a bit and then keep moving around. We're just going to flare around a bit. There's no need to stick with one person for the rest of the time. And if you get a word, share a word. But we're just going to, if anything else, just pray for more of the Spirit. That the eyes of their heart will be opened to the power. And the rest of us, let's just spend a bit of time. And we're going to sing another song, worship for a bit. No need to rush away. If you do have to go, you are more than free to go. Um, it's 10 to 7, so you know, feel free to go. There's pizza and stuff available, so we'll have that going in a minute. But... For those that need to go, may the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love this night and forevermore. Amen. But if you don't need to rush off, let's just keep worshipping. Come up for prayer at any point. Prayer team, just keep moving around, blessing what God's doing. Share words if you've gotten. And we'll just keep worshipping for a bit. Thanks, Ellen.